Hello, everyone. Welcome to this kind of special episode of Behind Massive Screens. My name is Petter, and I'm not joined by Dory today. Uh, I'm not even joined by a developer here at Massive. As you can see, I'm actually, you, you can't even see me because we're not filming this. But instead, I am joined by the honorary Thomas Parrott, author of The Division Recruited, and now... Uh, recently released or about to be released, depending on timing, uh, the kind of time warp you always do, uh, The Division Compromised. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, anytime. So uh, let's start with kind of more of a personal question. Before we get started talking about the book, uh, uh, I'm really, I'm always excited about The Division material and, and the books that we've been releasing uh, before have been really cool as well, and that includes Recruited. Uh, but I just want to get to know you a little bit first. So can you tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you ended up working with the Division IP? Sure. Um, I am uh, a American from a small town nowhere in the middle of the deep south. Um, I am a country boy because of that but it uh, does not make me a farm boy. Um, <laughs> I did time in the military. And the way I ended up working with the IP is I already had a track record doing tie-in fiction. Um, and a, there was originally supposed to be a different author, and they had to back out at the last moment. And Aconite Books, which is the publisher, contacted me. And they said, would you be interested? And I was like, hell yes. And that, oh gosh, do I need to watch my, how carefully should I watch my language? I should ask that very no, 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 we'll, If you say something, I will just bleep it. Okay, fair enough. Don't uh, worry about it. <laughs> sorry. I am, yeah. So yeah, and then uh, it, everything went from there. We had a really great time being recruited. And so when they asked me if I wanted to do Compromised, I was equally excited to take, to take it on again. You said you had um, previous experience doing tie-in IPs. What what had you been working with before? Uh, I have done stuff for Games Workshop. I've right. done stuff for um, Aconite before. I did uh, some short stories for them. Um, stuff like Arkham Horror right. and uh, the Crucible. That's what they call it. The Crucible universe. Okay. That's nice. But what that is actually one of the questions that I'm on my list. I might as well just go into start start asking what I've actually written down for once. Uh, what is it like to step in to write for an already established IP? You mentioned like 40k, for example, or or in this case, important for this discussion, the division, because you already sure. have the IP established, but you come as a outsider quotation mark uh, into it. What's that like? What's the process like to get started? Um. <laughs> you know it's uh it's intimidating every single time you would think you would completely get used to it having done it as many times as i have but um there's always that factor of well this is something people already love this is something people have already spent hundreds of work hours on right and i'm the i'm the guy you know walking all over their hard effort <laughs> um but i mean like my approach is i i research I research exhaustively. I watch videos. I read wikis. I read fan takes. I do all sorts of stuff until uh, what I always say is that I read until I become a fan myself. 
Yeah, makes sense. I find something that hooks me, and that's when I know that I'm actually starting to get ready to write for this world. Right. So how, how does that, that final step, you become a fan, and, and you immerse yourself in it. Does, does the stories come natural to you once you start immersing yourself, once you start becoming a fan? Oh, yeah. That's, that's sort of the key is, you know, you got to... Um, you have to find that thing that makes you excited in order to really, in my mind, properly write a book. Uh, right. I mean, anybody, I guess, can churn out uh, pulp, but um, <laughs> if you want something that uh, gets other people excited, I think you have to be excited about it first. So yeah, once you reach that state where you're like, oh, I get why this is cool. I get why people love this. Then you're ready to start going, okay, here's what I can do with it. Right. Was there any point in, in the work with immersing yourself into the world of division where you felt like, okay. I, I'm reaching the fandom level here. I'm reaching the inspiration level uh, at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually reading the 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 massive team was really wonderful. They gave me um, documents to read over, you know, uh, background Bibles, that kind of thing. Right. And um, I read a particular sentence, and it was, "There are 30 million people left in the United States who still need supplies." Right. And that grabbed me. I was like only 30, like it wasn't even the focus of the sentence, but I was like 30 million survivors, like just a reverse decimated population. The idea of nine out of 10 of everyone, you know, is just gone. Right. Um, thanks to the green poison. And I was like, what does that leave behind? What does that do to the people involved? Because no one's going to be the same. Right. You might try to act the same, but you're going to be changed by that. And um, that was the moment where I was like, oh, no, this is really cool. This is something I can write compelling characters for. These are people who have um, really been through it, regardless of there is no one in this world who came through unscathed because rather no matter how cushy you think it was, you lost people you loved. Right. And I, that was the moment where I was just like, OK, yeah, I get it. I think we're going to get a return to this point because I, I want to talk a little bit about the characters and how, how they exist in a world like like for the division and the themes that the uh, the games and all the stories around it um, is are telling. Um, but what was it like to work with the team at Massive? You said they're wonderful. Uh, we know them. They are wonderful. Uh, but what was it like for you to come in? Because these are people that have been working with the IP for a long time. They were working with the games, of course. They've been working on the stories, uh, for example. What was it like to, what was that interaction like uh, from the start to, to now, essentially? I know you had a meeting with them yesterday, for example. Uh, yeah. Behind um, the scenes snippet. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what's that yeah. interaction been like? What's the relationship like? I mean, it was, you know, there's that early part where like, they're not sure what to make of you and you're not sure what to make <laughs> of them. And you're still the outsider, like I said, who's coming in and getting your grubby fingers all over their, their carefully constructed uh, world. Um, but I think we, what really eased me into it, it's, it's funny, me and Lauren, uh, Lauren, I guess I should clarify, I'm sure people already know her if they're listening to this, but Lauren is the, the narrative director for the Clancy Properties. Um we are both very detail oriented. Right. And yeah. So <laughs> yeah the, knowing, and it, knowing Lauren, that's true. Yes. Uh, and we both approached here. This is the anecdote I'll tell you that where I felt was like, Oh no, I think we're going to be great. Um, she was like, I want you to, she was like, I want to see on Google maps, the route these characters are taking through the world so we can make sure it lines up. Right. 
And she's like, if we have to go back and like fix things to make that work, so be it. She's like, but I want it to line up one for one. And I was like, oh, dear Lauren, I didn't say this because we weren't on those terms yet. I was like, I already have that. I started from <laughs> Google Maps to begin with. Like, this is already that kind of thing. And once I realized that we were both that kind of detail focused, that we both really wanted that real world touch, I, I really feel like we clicked. And uh, ever since, like, the team's been great. Um, they were welcoming. They've been supportive. I, I couldn't have asked for more. Right. So working with, our, we'll get back to reality as well. I think we're gonna, gonna oh, go through okay. all of these, all of these things coming up. Um, I try not to spend too much time in reality, but I'll do what I can for you. No, no, no it's okay. I know the feeling. Um, I work in video games. It's fine. Um, so <laughs> with, without spoilers, kind of the, the, the new book uh, compromised, you had recruited came out earlier this year. Um, how do they, without spoiling stuff uh, too much, how to do the books? Tiny, like I started reading Recruited now. I'm not finished yet, so please don't spoil the ending. But how how do they kind of? Yeah, I sh I'm I'm sorry. Uh, but how do they kind of tie in together? What was it like going from from working on the first book to the sequel? Um, it was it was actually really great because uh, I had to write Recruited. Like I said, I was someone who stepped in after someone had to step out. The schedule was tight. Everything was very compressed. I was having to work fast. I was having to pick up the universe. And um, I was working with some off of someone else's like basic framework, which was a weird situation right. for a writer. And um, so a lot of that conspired to make things um, not bad, but you know, it, it was something to adapt to. And so coming back for Compromised was um, a relief, if anything, because by that point I was like, no, I know the Division world now. Uh, like I know these characters, I've I've already spent hours upon hours with them, um, and in an in-universe sense, it was um, the way they connect is it's the same group of characters, right? Um, and it's the ongoing story of what of Myra Canhai really. Myra is the heart of these stories. She's not the only POV character, but Myra remains the um, the essence of what's happening. Right. She is our she is our viewpoint. She is our audience insert to some extent. We are growing with her. Right. In our understanding of the universe. What do you think in creating characters like her and creating the characters uh, surrounding her? Uh, and of course, the stories she, go she goes through. What, what do you think uh, is important when creating and writing characters in the Division universe? Kind of what aspect makes the story in the Division unique in this case? And how, how do you craft them from, from the beginning? Um. This ties back to actually what I said hooked me into the universe, which is that the first thing I do essentially with any character that I'm creating for the Division universe is I go, what did the green poison take away from them? Right. Because it's something. Yeah. It's always something. Um, and from there, that's like once you know the pain somebody's carrying, I think that does a lot to humanize them. Mm -hmm. And I think it does a lot to establish what motivates them. Right. Because the once you know this is what they lost. The question is, what are they doing about it? Yeah. What is it made out of them? Um, for a villain, have they gone too far in trying to get it back? Are they trying, willing to go too far to make sure it doesn't happen to somebody else? Because not all villains have bad goals. A lot of times it's just the way they go about it. Right. Um, which is important to compromise. Um, because, well, I'm, I'm, I almost Ooh, got into close, spoilers. Um, close spoilers yeah. um, but, yeah, it's um, 
like I said, it, it, the question, my starting question is always, what did they lose? Yeah. And go from there. I think th this will actually bring bring me into a, a part of the division of fiction that I've I've always really liked, and 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 is, it's been through the books all the way back to New York Collapse uh, and into to Broken Dawn and Recruited and all the other kind of written media that's been created, and including the comics, is because in the games the the character you play is essentially is, is silent. There's a silent protagonist. You're supposed to kind of um, embody that character that that's you that's your place in the world they don't actually speak um but in in books and in, in other forms of media the characters you're allowed to see much more of of who they are um what what do you think you can tell through a book like this that that you wouldn't be able to tell through the division video games uh for example what what kind of opportunities do you have here to look at at characters stuck in this world, you're talking about what the green poison has been taken away. Um, but what's unique here compared to what what the story that will be told in a video game? What's unique is you can when someone is a when you have that audience insert, even more so than Meyer, when you have that empty vessel, the the blank slate that somebody's just allowed to copy themselves onto, right? Then you don't have stakes. Because that's the one thing someone's never really going to bring to the table with a video game. At the end of the day, you're somebody holding a controller, looking at a screen, and that part of you is always going to be separate. Right. No matter how immersed you get in the game, the bullets aren't going by your head. Right. Um, but once this character becomes someone that you can interact with, that you can hear the thoughts of, that you learn the emotions of, then that those are stakes. That's something that they they have stuff to lose. Yeah. Um more than just oh well i liked that character they have their life they have these are their friends this is everything to them right um and once you start telling with those heavier stakes i think it becomes uh maybe not more personal because it's hard to be more personal than a self-insert but it becomes more impactful right that makes sense yeah because I, I really liked i i had a, a did a recording with uh christopher m gord who uh, wrote the extremist malice comic books and mm -hmm. One thing I really like out of everything that happened in those comics and those issues was one of the uh, the pages there was about division agents hanging out. And that part, I just loved opening up that spread and seeing they, they were just doing like human hobby stuff that we don't get right. to do. There is no like ping pong mini game in the division there's no you know playing soccer on a dilapidated football field somewhere you know and and that's what i really like about about reading stuff that that you write about characters and their inner monologues and stuff is just it humanizes them more than the now i'm only talking about the main character your character in the division since it is a self-insert like all of the characters surrounding it uh surrounding that character uh are of course more more humanized but that there's not much space in a video game in general to tell those kind of things. And I, I just really enjoy that. Like really seeing people just existing, not fighting, yeah. not, not doing all that, not necessarily even dealing with, with their traumas. You talk about stuff that, that been taken away, but just living. Sure. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, uh, books let you fill in the gaps. They let you, um, breathe life into the world 
Yeah. Uh, and it's not that video games necessarily can't do that, but every medium has, like, there's always an opportunity cost, right? If a video game did make you sit there and play a ping pong quick time event, um, maybe that would immerse you a little bit, but it would also take you away from what the game's trying to do. The yeah, game. Exactly. Part. Yeah. While with a book, I can, and this is an example straight from Compromise, <laughs> I can have the agents sitting there playing Go Fish with each other during an incredibly long truck ride south. Right. And that doesn't, you don't actually have to sit there and play through a game of Go Fish to get the moment. <laughs> like, you don't have to have that frustration, but like, you know, you, I can still have that moment and you can go, oh, they're just people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that kind of goes into other, or other, like, mid or post catastrophe uh fiction like the division is to even to post apocalyptic stuff like even the walking dead uh now we don't have zombies in the division but um that it more about the characters and their interactions than it is uh i'm 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 sure certain some people are just tired of hearing uh parallels between between uh media like the division and stuff like walking dead but it more about the characters and their motivations than the actual like violence being the most important thing Mm -hmm. if that makes sense um yeah yeah um i think one of the things that i do try to capture uh with the books is that it's not that there aren't gunfights because there are at the end of the day it's the division uh there's got to be sure. that moment where of course. like of course the lead flies and it comes down to who's faster with the gun um but i mean okay I don't want to over. I don't want to talk myself up here. I'm not. Uh, I was not an operator. I was not some infantry badass. But I have been in the military, and I've known a lot of people who were. And what they'll tell you is, it's 99 minutes of absolute boredom, right. and one minute of screaming terror. Right. And now I don't necessarily want you to be bored for 99 minutes of reading <laughs> the books, <laughs> but um, there is still. I want to capture some of that divide, which is the moment when it comes down to the gun is only part of it leading up and coming out of it. There's the rest of everything else. These people have to deal with. There's the day to day of even just like, what are we going to eat today? Um, yeah. There is a lavish food scene in compromised where the characters, I'm not going to spoil too much, but they get food that they have not had for a long time. And uh, I thought that that was, that was a fun to write and B it was fun to think about because it's like, you know, that's not something you necessarily associate with these, these action IPs is like, but have they had a good meal today? Yeah. Like when's the last time they got to take a bath, like right. stuff like that. Um, and I think stuff like that's really important. I think that that uh, pulls you in. It makes it breathe. Yeah. I think it gives a lot of life to, to the games, which has been, been fascinating to see how these, the material, uh, surrounding, uh, the division has made even the games more impactful because thinking about stuff you said now, looking at the settlements in the game, for example, you can't really kind of start thinking about what these people are, are going through. And I, I like what you said about like taking stuff away, what has been taking from each of these characters that you, that you meet and the trauma they've, they've gone through. Mm -hmm. I think there is a, uh, a I'm sorry, go on. Sorry, go no, please go ahead. No, I, I I'm just thinking more about the themes of, of the division in general and how, how you've approached it with, with what was very important, especially in the division two was the concept of hope and the concept of, of moving beyond, like moving forward and this horrible catastrophe that's happened. Uh, again, everything you said about stuff being taken away from everybody, everyone has lost someone, right? 
yes. but we have to move on. Like hope is, is the most important thing. It's the very important theme in, in um, the division two, like how, how you approach that when giving a voice to your, your characters. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it, for one thing, I think it's important that you show a spectrum yeah. because um, I think hope is one of the prominent themes, but if you just show everybody, like if the division characters start to feel cookie cutter about it, yeah. Oh well, we're all very hopeful in spite yeah, of the yeah, terrible yeah, things yeah, that yeah, we've yeah, been yeah, through. Yeah. Then it just starts to feel like, okay, well, that's a little easy. It's a little trite. Um, so I think it's important that we see that it's not always easy for these characters to keep that feeling going. Um, it's not always easy for them to not let the trauma dominate their lives. There's going to be moments where they backslide. There's going to be moments where they're caught up and it feels like they're not going anywhere. But even in Recruited, um, one of the moments that Myra finds so inspiring is another Division character tells her that the Division isn't just about saving what remains. It's about shaping what's going to come afterwards. Right, exactly. It's about the next step. It's about life has to go on. And um, and I think that you, that doesn't just apply to the Division characters. Uh, one thing I've said before is that I think a lot of the factions that you see in the Division One and the Division Two, they are very like immediate post-catastrophe factions. Yeah. So they're very emotional. Right. Um, like the outcasts are angry, and the cleaners are scared, and like you know you get that kind of like it's just these immediate primal responses to disaster. Right. Um, while we've taken. Like there's starting to be this time gap. There's starting to be these months have gone on. And what you start to see is what do people, it's, it's becoming less about, oh God, what was my immediate response to the catastrophe and more about, well, what do I want to see the world be now? Right. And you see that from the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah. Um, and you may even find the bad guys sympathetic on some levels. And I think that's a good thing because there's nothing more boring to me than a villain who is just bad all the way through right. where you're just like, Oh, well, they're just, you know, cackling evilly as they twirl their mustache. Like, no, like you want to go, Oh, I kind of see where they're coming from. Like yeah. maybe I don't agree with how they're going about it, but I see where they're coming from. Um, and so I think that's a question that's going to be really important to the franchise, to the IP as it goes forward is not just what did the green poison do, but what do people want to do with the world after it? Right. Because it's in a lot of ways, it's swept the slate clean and it's going to be about what people bring to the table now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, that's an interesting point with the, uh, like how people are feeling directly after the catastrophe. Of course, we had that, uh, especially in, in the first game. But what you say about, about you can actually like sympathize and understand. I think you, you mentioned the cleaners and them being scared. I think they are one of the most interesting factions in the first game and when they turn up in the second game because they are their motivations even though their methods are obviously extreme inhumane awful horrible but you can kind of understand pharaoh and and his his people how they it's a natural reaction right we have to protect ourselves right. we grab those flamethrowers burn it all down burn it all away because if that's what we have to do to make sure our families are safe, yeah. that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and it's not just them. Like the outcasts are twisted and messed up. 
But once you find out why they're the way they are, once you find out what was done to them about being herded into these camps and then left to die, um, you go, oh, no, I'd be mad, too. Yeah. Maybe I would want to watch the world burn after what it did to me. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that's true for at least several of the factions, even the hyenas basic, like, Oh, I want what's mine. Yeah. Um, that's an instinct that we can all like, how many people have had, like you play these games and, or like, I know I've sat down with my friends and we've talked about like, Oh, well, if the zombie apocalypse came, what would be the first place we'd loot to get yeah. what we needed? <laughs> I think we've all, and how is that? I think every nerd yeah. in the world has gone through yeah, that phase. Exactly. Like, I'm hoping, God, I hope that that's not just me because now people oh, are going to be definitely like, oh, they not. got a sociopath. Um, but how is that all that much better than what the hyenas do? Right. That's all they're doing is going, oh, well, I'm going to make sure I get what's mine yep. in all of this. Um, now, the true sons, uh, I have a harder time with, sure. um, which, you know, uh, is, is maybe why I like uh, pasting them in the books as much as I can. Um, but like, uh, there is still, there's always that fundamental emotional response. Like, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I think it makes them villains, but you can understand how people who have watched the world fall apart would go. I just want someone to make things make sense. Right. I just want order. Yeah. I just want the nights to be quiet. I just want to know where my next meal is coming from. Right. And if that's what the true sons are offering them, you can see how that would be seductive. And if you can't, then that's a mistake of writing because these things should be seductive. This should be a seductive evil in the wake of a disaster. It should be, well, it would be awfully easy to go down that road, wouldn't it? Yeah. That should be the response. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But that, what's that been like? Because this is going like, just looking back, one, the stuff you've written about before, like these big fantastical uh, science fiction worlds, for example, going closer, mm -hmm. so much closer to reality. Like how was um, that a process you had to go through or did it just kind of make did the division and the world kind of make sense to you fairly quickly? I mean to some extent working from a realistic grounding is easy because uh you don't have to grok like the uh, or you don't have to understand the weird little fidgety bits that might make another science fiction IP work. Right. I don't have to go, oh, well, like, let's make sure I have all the rules of warp travel understood or like, <laughs> oh, well, make sure to remember what this person's cybernetic implants can do. Uh, like, no, like they can pretty much do, don't do what the, people can do. Don't end up in the comic book guy kind of situation in the sense, right. I suppose. Um, but at the same time, um, it demands a different kind of research. I can tell you that whether people appreciate it or not, I don't know how many people stop and go, wow, but uh, I sat down and I researched corpse decomposition rates right. multiple times throughout the course of writing these two books to make sure that for whatever timeline point we're <laughs> at, the, 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 the bodies make sense, the right. way I'm describing them. Right. Um, so I don't know that it's as easy as, oh, well, it just clicked for me. But it is just a different mode of approach. You know, you just, um, rather than going from, oh, well, this is, um, you know, semi-magical logic to like, okay, well, I need to actually understand. Okay, here's how I would put it. Let me, I'm starting to, to meander. 
here's how I would put it. If I'm working from a realistic basis, then any deviations from reality that I accidentally cause are going to be more obvious. Right. So I need to make sure I'm doing my due, my due diligence with research. That's how I would put it. Right. Yeah, that, interesting to know how much research was put into just the first chapter of Recruiter then. Um, There's I can a... tell you this. Uh, <laughs> this is Lauren. Okay, we had to move the date that it started because originally it started at a different date. And I will tell you this. Lauren, who keeps me on track and keeps me um, honest, sent me <laughs> a breakdown of what weather would be like in the D.C. area on the date that that chapter takes place. Right. And she was like, we need to make sure we stick to this. Yeah. So that's the level of like detail that we are approaching when we're trying to get it right. Right. What do you think in, in compromise? We've talked about everything um, about about hope, about understanding people's motivations and the various factions. What do you think is, if without, we're back to not trying to spoil, but what was, what's the most important theme you think when you were writing Recruited? What was your leading star there? Um, I mean, this is going to sound very trite. This is going to sound very easy. But it is the honest truth, which is that the theme running through the book is what compromises someone, mm -hmm. what makes them fail by their own standards. Right. Not by anyone else's. Each of these, there's a lot of characters in this book who are struggling with the fact, not that someone else is disappointed with them, but that they are disappointed with themselves, that they have fallen short in some way that they have been forced to compromise their ideals or their goals or anything along those lines. And um, keeping that theme in mind, that was just, that was important to me throughout the book. Myra's not the only one. It is, that includes Myra. Myra's struggles throughout the book are a very real thing. Right. Um, but there's lots of characters who in the wake of it, Maybe they're not sure that things have been going the way they wanted to. Maybe they're not sure they've been prioritizing the right things or making the right decisions. Right. And that question of um, you have to make decisions in the moment and then you have to live with them. And recruited, it was the making the decisions in the moment and compromised is about the living with them. That's right. how I might put it. Right. So one thing... Uh which especially comes from, from Europe and we're coming from, from Sweden where the main uh, developer, uh, obviously Massive Entertainment is located. Uh, the division is still very much an American story. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's set in New York, of course, very iconic city and, and then to the seat of power itself, Washington DC in uh, the division two. What's it like as an American to write about an America in the state that it is in? Oh no, that's a that's a lovely question. Um, I think it's compelling, um, and I. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's always easy because it does hit home. I think on a level that maybe it wouldn't for someone who didn't live here. Yep. Like when I'm writing this stuff. Um, okay, here's something. When I when compromised was announced and we got the blurb that was like, oh, it's headed to the Gulf Coast. 
the immediate response I had was multiple people on Twitter being like, oh, I'm from the Gulf Coast. Right. And I mean, one way or another, I don't get to be gentle with these places. Like <laughs> the world kind of <laughs> fell apart. Right. And so I'm kind of like, oh, I'm sorry about what I did to your hometown. Like, and I always joke that there's a particular sequence in Recruited where I do a terrible thing to St. Louis. And, sorry, um, you know, like I was, oh, sorry, St. Louis, about what happened there. Um, but especially for me, like I've been to New York and I've been to D.C., but those aren't where I'm from. I'm not a big city guy. So the part for me that makes it really hit home is that especially the books that I'm writing, Recruited and Compromised, the Operation Crossroads series, we're getting away from the big cities. Mm-hmm. And we're going, there's been parts where they're going through these little towns and they're just hollowed out. Yeah. Just dead. Yeah. Like whoever lived through the sickness, they didn't stick around. And I think those have been some of the hard sections for me because that's, that's the people I grew up with. Right. Um, that's where I grew up. And that's what, that would be its fate. That would be my hometown's fate. That would be the fate of the people I love is even if they made it through the poison they wouldn't be able to stay where they are because humans are social animals. You can't just be the crazy man who lives by themselves in like what used to be a town. (laughs) I mean, you can, I don't suggest it. Um, I think that's, that's been impactful. And I hope that answers your question. Um, It does. It's always been interesting to follow. Now, now you're able to go outside the cities, of course, compared to the games, but it's always been interesting to follow discussions on, uh, over the years of, of people who live in these places that gets to see them uh, in the game, especially I think in, in DC, so many people on, on social media and Reddit and, and stuff that's talked about it, just how since, right, New York is one thing and is wonderful and it's to life and uh, having been there as well, it's fascinating to to walk down the streets in, in the first game, but it's not 1-1, right? Some stuff has right. been taken out, uh, but Washington DC in the second game is 1-1. So people that can find their way in real life can find their way in the game and mm-hmm. vice versa. There's been people uh, I've seen definitely on Reddit. People have been, been going as tourists to Washington DC and just realizing, Hey, wait, I've been here before. Uh, <laughs> I, I know my way around. How weird is that? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, and even like there should be a coffee shop around the corner and they go around and it, it's, uh, it, it's not a Starbucks anymore, obviously, uh, Carmen coffee instead. And they're like, Oh, well, here it is uh, in the game. That's So I, I, I can imagine for those people that, that have a personal connection uh, to those places to see it like that. And then as you talk about now, your experience of, of writing about these things and, and kind of having that realistic perspective again and quotation mark to the places you write about. Yeah. Um, well, it, I mean, for one thing, I will say the books are one-to-one. Uh, like you, every single location that occurs in the books is based off at the very least, like a Google streets view. Right. And then an acceleration, obviously through uh, decay and debris and desolation. Um, But there is nowhere made up. That was something that I wanted. That was something the team wanted. And we were very simpatico about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Lauren obviously wouldn't have accepted anything else. No, no, she would never have. She would have, (laughs) taken me by the ear and dragged me back to my computer. Yeah. But luckily we're the same that way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, 
there is an emotional quality for anyone i think though it to to like especially as now that we're in the books like six months on and the rate of decay and how rapidly you realize like that the world we know is a very fragile like layer on top of the on top of the earth yeah uh and how quickly it falls away like it, it i was doing my research like i said and like buildings are just falling apart yeah by the time you're six months on with no upkeep like the roads are splitting it's bad yeah um and i think that's going to be emotional for anyone because the modern life that all of us are used to it's transitory and for the people of the division universe it's gone yeah. and who knows if they're ever going to get it back yeah yeah that's always been been the thing with the games in general as well just looking at, at the way the world's changed and, and looking through it and seeing kind of the realism in it i know how much research was was done uh by the teams uh during development as well to make sure that everything was realistic the way things had fallen apart and the way uh gla like grass had spread how what does wildlife uh how does that react how, how does how does a shrubbery look after exactly. six months uh without anyone tending to it right so it's compared to other post-apocalyptic we can we can watch mad max fury road and go okay that's that's cool but it's not you can't really as you said yeah. grok uh, <laughs> earlier i uh, kind of understand the connection to your life now but the divisions always had that like that's how it's going to look and you can kind of close your eyes and imagine what your street will look like uh after six months after a catastrophe like this there was a um there's a particular moment that i could highlight in compromise i'm not gonna spoil anything but like it's just a little detail where i was doing the google streets there's a there's a gunfight i was doing my google streets due diligence i was Oh, this would be good cover, which is a weird thing for a human being to have to do is be like, okay, here's this street. Now imagine that building's fallen over and all these windows are busted out and right. everybody's gone. Where would people take cover during a firefight? Um, but there was a moment where I saw a sign up on a wall uh, under a covered awning. And I was like, okay, so it might've survived that said, um, Oh gosh, no parking. Yeah. And I just like it was it's such a tiny detail, but I kept it in. I made sure to mention the no parking sign in this desolate, <laughs> empty city. Um where like the and the building that they're trying to go into is like overgrown with ivy and like part of the roof's caved in. But I was like, to me, what sells it more than that no parking sign? Yep. still looking out on this field of rusted cars where it's just, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, and I, I think that, that that sort of sums it up for so me. People that live in that area now is going to buy the book and just go, can I can I find this this building yes, now make, with the clues? In yes, the make, <laughs> make pilgrimages to the no parking sign. Please do, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. the, that poor radio, it's a radio station, I can tell you that much. That oh, poor radio go. station is going to be like, why are people stopping to to stare at our no parking sign um but yeah if you find it uh please email photos to behind massive screens at massive.se and i'll send them <laughs> on to uh to thomas all right awesome are you looking forward to spending you want to spend more time with the in this kind of uh depressing but at the same time hopeful world of the division yes 
absolutely. Um, I think there is a, the story here is not finished and right. I would be delighted to get to finish it. Right. There we go. I think that's a good way to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much, Thomas, for joining us today. It's been, been great to hear you talk and I can't wait. I'm sorry that I didn't fin have time to finish recruited. Um, but I'm going to finish you. I'm gonna, you this whole time. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to finish it now. Uh, no, it, okay. it's great to hear your, uh, your view on a world that so many of us have spent so many years and I think it's uh, so many years with and I think it's in it's in good hands well thank you I appreciate that and to all our listeners thank you very much for being with us today uh, we shall see you soon again